Hello, everybody, and welcome to the wrap of week two in the Canadian Premier League. We are in Newsroom Podcast. My name is Christian Jack, and Rob Gale says it's the year of the underdog and true to a script no one saw coming two weeks into the season, and the best two teams from last year are the only teams left to score a goal or claim a point so far. So maybe Gale is right, or maybe the team needs to order Gale's bag of potatoes. If you don't understand that reference, <laughs> please stick with us. Uh, alongside my team, cast of characters again, they're all sitting in their wonderful CPL kit. So if you're watching online, you really know they're not. Uh, but <laughs> dreaming of one day scoring a goal like Jeno Asua did when he walloped the ball over Tristan Henry's head against Forge to lead to a wonderful celebration for the Eddies. Hello, my team, uh, Benedict Rose, the greatest goal you have ever scored and how old were you and i'm not talking about when you were sleeping in your dreams and when, when i was awake uh i was about maybe 12 or 13 and i scored a tristan borges-esque corner straight into the back of the net probably my tristan borges-esque corner <laughs> brady's shaking his head in disbelief he doesn't believe you uh but we have to believe you that's an incredible charlie o'connor clock uh in your little villa kit how old were you when you scoring your best goals I didn't score a lot of goals as a kid, but I did score a goal actually, KJ, at one of your charity tournaments for nice. waking the Red <laughs> FC. Got us, got us into a into so. a knockout match, which we promptly lost four uh, nil. And it's I, I did not score a lot of goals because I was a fullback as a kid, but it, it felt pretty good to just kind of throw one in from the top of the box and have it go off the off the bar. There you go. Charlie, what kind of clock getting his, his, his love for cavalry and scoring goals in <laughs> knockout games? Uh, <laughs> Marty Thompson, what is the best time you ever scored a goal, man? Might might have been 11 or 12. I remember just pinging one off the inside of like the very top of the corner. Like there's like, you know, there's like a little, sometimes there's like a little stand for the net to sort yeah. of hang down off of. Hitting that one, um, it was a free kick, but it was also in practice. Oh, so, counts. But, but everyone, no, but I mean, everyone, everyone, it was the nicest goal I've ever scored because everyone just sort of stopped and like stared and looked at me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. There you go. Try to do that again. <laughs> We're not getting you no know, Alan Iverson practice references. Brady Reed, please tell me your best goal ever was never in practice. It was in a game. I was also 12. We all we all peaked at 12, unlike Charlie. Charlie, Charlie peaked as waking the red. That's I'm, I'm still going up. I'm still going up. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the up you're on the up no mine was also an olympico like benny uh i think maybe the new flint wind had a, a little bit of a, an impact on that but i did have pavel nedved's hair at 12 as well so that was interesting there you go oh, buddy. Really fun. <laughs> yeah. love it mine was at 11 uh st peter's primary school the last day of the uh, one of the last days of the year and uh, i'm understanding as i'm telling this story that none of you were born and at that point as well. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. This is like 1989. <laughs> and uh, and it was a Marco Van Basten goal a little, in the Euros. It's the most famous goal you can ever imagine from Basten. But I did a little bit of that. Back, you know, back post, volley, top corner. And uh, yeah, still living on it. Never. It was all downhill from there. From there. <laughs> uh, all right. Talking about wonderful goals. We're going to start backwards this week. And why not? Why better place to start than FC Edmonton to the champs for Forge nil. Forge still no goals, still no points. And we start with an absolute stunner. Soria and Asua score late goals as the resolute Eddie stun the champs. The, 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 you can't spell Forge without a little zero in there. Get it? And they don't have any goals or any points. And we'll get to them so, shortly. And if there's any reason to worry, Benedict, you are a correspondent on this one. Uh, what We all watched it. What a tremendous game. You watched it closer than all of us. How did the Eddies pull this off? What was the most impressive thing from them for you? 
Yeah, I think he used the word resolute. I think that was a good one. I think they, they just were tenacious all night. They were just they just kept going, just kept going. Maybe Forge maybe didn't at times. And uh, ultimately, they were rewarded for it with the two late goals. Yeah, and the midfield seemed to play extremely narrow. Again, I was looking at the game, watching it, and I was like, oh, you know, they're just making everything go wide. Schoen was really good in there again. And, and you know, I looked at some stats, and I thought Forge – through the middle of their attack in the final third, 19% through the middle only out of 100, obviously. 20% the day against Valor. Uh, did it seem like they had a plan here, Benedict, to kind of prevent any kind of movement through the middle? Well, it seemed to me like Kyle Becker was a lot wider than he maybe has been in some games. Like, he seemed like he was almost playing on the left with Kwame Awu at times. Um, so I think that, that was definitely seemed intentional. Um, and then the right side of Tristan Borges and, and Johnny Grant was shut down for a lot of that game by the Halifax, uh, sorry, Edmonton left side. And um, so I think Forge almost forced to go to the, that left-hand side for most of the game. And what were your impressions of Alan Kotcher post-game? Remember, this is historic for Edmonton. We'll get into some of the stats in a second, but the, the scenes on the on the pitch, the players all running down at the end of the pitch and getting together. Benedict, this was a special moment for this team. Yeah, it was their, their first win in, I believe, 627 days for FC Edmonton uh, <laughs> after after being blanked for most of the Island games. So, um, yeah, it, you, you tell from, from Alan Koch after the match as well how much it meant to him. He, he thanked the owners. He, he sort of said it was for the supporters and, and everyone on the club from top to bottom. And I think that's been the big, biggest difference, I think, since he's come in is they seem like a, a team and they seem like a, a one big group. And I think that's, that's really important for a team who needs to bounce back after a frustrating 2020. Benedict, you mentioned it. First win since October 17, 2019. First clean sheet since September the 2nd, 2019. First win with a clean clean sheet since July 31st, 2019. And right. first win without Eastern Angaro scoring since July 6, 2019. Wow. Now, all of those dates are only 2019, but we're in the middle of a pandemic or we're almost at the end of it. And that feels like 15 years ago, Charlie. So yeah. this is a monumental day for FC Edmonton. It really was. And it was, I think it was kind of cool that the players that scored in this game were players that have been there since, you know, since those, those wins. Okay. I mean, we just saw, it almost brings a tear to your eye just seeing Genoa Sua and what it meant to him to score that goal. He was like on the floor, just, just hands in the air. It was just incredible scene seeing Edmonton pull out this game. It was special. Marty, you were there. What was it like? I, I mean, it was also special to see Genoa Sua score because he was starting to play a little bit more in an advanced role. I think I've called him for the golden boot already in our group chat, or maybe that's just in my mind. Uh, I, I, de I definitely said it out loud on Saturday. I know that for sure. Um, yeah, you can just tell from that celebration. Like, this is a team that, you know, we're just around the bubble here. They're a team that's pretty tight-knit. You know, I think for, for their, they take a lot of pages out of Valor's book in terms of being, you know, underdogs and being underrated. But at the same time, they have real quality. Like you know, Amir Didich was 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 great again uh, again yesterday, and you know, they, and Edi Stangaro was good as well. I know he didn't score uh, from from the stat from that stat package, but um, they're a really tight knit group, and you can tell from that victory, right? And six changes too, so it's not just yep. like they're relying on a you know the the same team to run out there again. For them to have back to back performances the way that they've done, and I know they didn't get anything game one Brady from Ottawa, but they showed in that game that they were defensively organized and sound. I think 
it's pretty clear that Alan Koch has already and his coaching staff have already worked defensively very hard on this team and said, look, last year and the previous year, you know, you've just been handing too many presents to these teams and this is an opportunity for us to stay in games. And that's a great example. Yes, Forge had a lot of the ball, but stay in the game and allow opportunities to come and they will come, Brady. Yeah, no, Forge had a lot of the ball, but again, kind of two games running now for Forge. They've had a lot of the ball in, in, in the mid, you know, the midfield or, or even their defensive third. They haven't threatened a ton, have they? And so, like you said, this FC Edmonton team, they kind of look like they're designed to to withstand that pressure. And they're the, they're the type of team that look like if they're going to get a lead, they're going to be full value for, for three points more often than not. We're going to hear in a second from Bobby Sminiotis about this game and what they needs about the process. Before we throw to that clip, Benedict, what was the overall thought from you in terms of how Forge played in this game? Is it anything to be concerned about? Is it just literally preseason and a little bit of rust? What were your observations watching the game closely about this club? Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of rust still. I think ultimately Forge will be fine with, with the group of attackers that they have, but um, they do need to get it going, obviously. Um, I think Ford, uh, Bobby Smirniotis after the game said, like when, when you're not at your sharpest, having a sort of frustrating performance like that is sort of a byproduct of that. And I think when they, when they do get to their sharpest, they'll possibly be the best attacking team in this league, but they just need to sort of work their way up to that. And that starts on Sunday against Pacific, as we'll get to, I'm sure. Yeah, massive game. No doubt about it. Pacific are flying high and unbeaten. And uh, yeah, that's going to be a great game in the come on match of the week. It was interesting after the game and I came to the press conference as well. I watched the game and, you know, the players, and I'll get to you in a second on this, Mike, the players, it seemed like we took it really difficult. You know, for example, Kwame Iwua said, you know, we are done making excuses. We have to start playing like champions. And it was none, none of this, oh, we're still in a bubble. Bobby, again, as a coach you'd expect, was a little bit more measured. Um, and he was pretty adamant that, that he did not want to change the style. Here's the clip from after the game on Bobby's Miriotis, the Forge coach. Point. That's the most important thing for us. We have to use this as, as, as part of a preseason when, when you haven't really had one. And I know that's a, that's an easy thing to say when you're two games in and uh, and you've lost two, but that was uh, always uh, the case coming into this. We want uh, better results, but we have to go the, through these processes to make us better as the season goes on. Um, being a little bit more pragmatic, that may last for two, three, four games. Uh, that also brings extra stress on the players, physical load, physical stresses, which we know can lead to injuries. And the last thing we want coming out of uh, four or five games uh, playing here is is more guys out. We're currently short five uh, players uh, in the depth depth chart. Um, so it's important for us to work on the football, make sure we're keeping guys uh, healthy. You know, Dayan uh, had a little bit of a, of a nick there in his, in his ankle and precautionary. We took him out right away, just thinking more long term. Okay, Marty, let's get into this. Uh, they don't want to be changing their style. They want to play the same way. Great points by Bobby in, in terms of why they don't want to be pragmatic. I guess what would be a little bit playing a little bit deeper, making the back line a little bit more comfortable, not playing so high, soaking up pressure a little bit more. That's not the Forge style. I think they're happy to stick to their identity uh, and have, a, as I mentioned to Bobby in the press conference, have it be a little bit more about the process analysis rather than just outcome and affecting the games based on the results. That's how Forge has always been, right? And and maybe the issue last night was it really it just looked like a beta version of Forge. Benedict, you touched on it just because it's preseason, right? They're doing all the same tricks. They're doing all the same things they normally do. It's just not coming off in the attacking third. That's because this is basically a preseason. I think that the frustration that, like you, you kind of mentioned Kwame there, and we saw it just down on the pitch there at, at full time. The frustration too is that this team has lost what I mean, I guess they lost three games last year. One was against York in the first round. They were already sort of destined for the second round. And then the two other games that they lost would have, you know, if that if that result went differently, would have sent them to the CONCACAF Champions League. 
right? So when they lose, they lose sort of hard. And again, they have they have they don't lose very often this team. So I mean, it's 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 maybe just maybe it's just indicative of of how Bobby wants to keep everyone just sort of still on the same track. Don't change too much because he knows ultimately that the players on the pitch. I mean, what is it? Would it be ten out of eleven players uh, on the pitch that started uh, that started yesterday? won the North Star Shield last year, and many of them won in the first year, playing the exact same way. Right, right. Yeah, so obviously the reference points are there, knowing that the success will come. But it is interesting, final point on this, that if the players are taking it hard and they're going through some different dif- different times that they've not gone through very often. By the way, the first time ever the Forge have lost back-to-back games in the CPL without scoring a goal in the games. So it is new territory. I guess the final point on this, Charlie, I'll come to you, is that how Bobby has got to keep and his coaches have has got to keep it that way. You've got the players saying one thing, they don't want to start pressing and going out of the way to be to try and bring a result and away from their identity because then that's how results go go wrong as well. Yeah, and there's always a danger of teams doing that when things do start to not go their way. But I think if there's a club we can be fairly confident won't do that, it's Forge. Right. Because they've sort of tempered their expectations coming into this this Winnipeg kickoff. In this sort of way, obviously not expecting to start like this, but you know, every time, every time anybody from the club has spoken, they'd be like, "Yeah, we know it's a it's a long process. We know that this isn't just a bubble tournament like the Island Games. There's a long season here. We need to pick up any points we can in Winnipeg before we can get home." And I think, really, the fact that they aren't going to change anything, haven't really changed much over two games, is more indicative of how ambitious this club really is with the way they want to play. Because they obviously want to play this very expansive kind of football where they're just so strong in transition and they can move the ball really anywhere on the pitch as fast as they can. And they're not going to budge from that because they want to play that particular brand of football. And with the talent they have, there's no way that they can't be a lot better than this. And they will be fine. It's just a little bit... In in some ways, as a neutral, it's it's sometimes entertaining to see, you know, the the champions and the dominant teams go through hard patches, right? So I think they'll be fine. There's too much talent on this roster for them not to be. Yeah, I think but so they, I agree they, they've got a lot to work through. It's a good point, and we'll sit back and watch how they're going to do that. Final point on this game, Benedict, again, Edmonton, let's finish off on a high. Raman Soria said, quote, it is amazing. We felt this game, and we needed it. We needed it. It was so important for this team to win, to learn how to battle. This is just the beginning. Uh, we showed character and real personality, and I thought he did, by the way, scoring the goal in, in the first place and then leading the team afterwards in a real huddle. A great moment for him. Yeah, definitely. I think he's he's been part of this team for a big part of this team for a couple of years now, and and uh, rewarded with a big goal there to get this, their season started. And I think he said they needed it. I think I think they probably did after sort of a frustrating result on the weekend. I think this was kind of a, a big result to sort of kickstart their campaign. No doubt about it. Let's move on to the game before that on Canada Day. And again, we, by the way, the standard of football in these games so far in the opening games of the season have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you would agree no matter what your team is. or what. No, even if you're a Forge fan, if you've watched some of the games, you should, you know, I know it's not going well for you right now, but it'll, it'll be fine. But the standard of games has been remarkable, entertaining, end-to-end. And this week, again, showed the example of that. We had a four-goal thriller to open Canada Day as York United two Pacific FC two ended in that way after really a back and forth game in this one. Uh, Brady, you are a correspondent on this. Another really good game. What were your overall takeaways? Yeah, no, terrific game, like you said, and another game that, you know, didn't ease into it. The first five or 10 minutes were probably the highest tempo of the match. And there must have been like 
15 or 20 fouls and mostly from players in in nine stripes jerseys but i think honestly that was by design like clearly we've seen how pacific came out against halifax and it was with regards to an understanding in the final third probably looked better than any other team we've seen so far we talked about forger's shortcomings in that department pacific did not have that issue and so i think jimmy brennan said look these guys are you know they're going to come out and you know they're going to combine really well and really easily and what we can do to to kind of mitigate that is is be physical and, and take a couple of tactical fouls and and, and not let them dictate how this game's going to go so they score and open the scoring again through Abzi. It needs to look like one of the best players so far. So he was narrowly just missed off on the Gatorade Team of the Week in Week 1. And then he's obviously making a push for making that Gatorade Team of the Week in Week 2. Uh, on Monday, we'll get to that to those decisions. But Abzi playing in a bit more of an advanced role, uh, something mm-hmm. that he seemingly enjoys. And I think maybe might allow Jimmy Brennan to play a little bit tactically different, maybe play a back five at one point, maybe with Abzi at some point as that real true wing back. But this gets Mohammed and uh, uh, Tariq Mohammed and Abzi in the team. What was your observations of him? Who obviously got another goal in, in two go- two goals in two games so far. Yeah, no, I made a terrific run to the back post to, to finish it off on the goal. And it, I, like you know, I touched on in the analysis piece, the the, the big kind of breakdown conversation going into this was Chung versus Abzi, and then in the end, they're not even on the same side of the field. Pamaduka <laughs> elects to play Chung on the other side, and. And quite honestly, I think that was probably advantage Abzi by the by the way he performed. And so, yeah, Pacific pushed their wing backs, their their full backs, sorry, really high. At, at times, they were they really had two at the back when they were in possession, and and York were able to hit them on the counter. Pacific had almost seventy percent possession, but I think they had one shot on target because of the own goal for the second. And so, again, another team like like Edmonton, a little bit like you know Ottawa, like content to to you know sit back and absorb pressure and. You know, hit the te- hit teams in, in, in on the flanks and 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 I guess you know against the run of play. Brady, I'll come back to you in a minute about Pacific and talk about what Josh heard a little bit. But Marty, let me turn to you. What's your thoughts on York so far? I mean, eleven Canadians from the start, two twenty-two-year-olds, the oldest members of their attack, two nineteen-year-olds making pro debuts. This is a young team, a Canadian team uh, that we have to think of and look at probably a little bit different to some others where we're thinking big picture and building going forward rather than immediate success. I think this team is really exciting. Abzi playing in an advanced role has been as I mean, I mean, obviously two goals, but just from just from from people that have watched the CPL for this long, this is such a rewarding sight for a young player to get a chance like this. And then, you know, Lowell Wright, again, leading the line, playing all 90 minutes again yep. uh, yesterday. Um, and, you know, it's 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 also nice to see a player like Mike Petrasso. I thought he I thought he was good at right back again um, again yesterday. But then, yeah, you mentioned the young players like Isaiah Johnson. Uh, Cedric Toussaint, Noah Verhoeven was great again. I don't know. I think yeah, this team is this team is very exciting. We haven't even talked about Max Ferrari as well, who who helped set up that goal. Great, yeah, it's, great it's, cross. It, it's it's a team for the future for sure. Charlie, your thoughts on on this team? Verhoeven, Marty mentioned as a player, I'd like to pick out because I think he could. He's got quick feet. He's got a little bit of magic in there that I think the younger players maybe need to work on a little bit. And and for me, he looks like a player that could be a big difference maker for them. Yeah, this is a really fantastic situation for Noah, I think, because we saw him in those two years at Pacific. He was really great, especially at the start of that 2019 season, sort of maybe slowed down a little bit. I don't know really what happened towards the end of that season. And then last year, he it happens sometimes. A, a young player maybe falls out of favor a little bit. He's not getting the starts. He's a little bit far, farther down in the depth chart. So he comes to York, and now he's able to play this position that we haven't really seen him play in the CPL before. And it's sort of number 10, Jimmy, I think Jimmy Brennan called him a false nine at one point. 
yep. which was was kind of interesting. Um, is he playing he, two false nines then? Yeah, but I really, really like him there because Verhoeven's got really good vision on on the football pitch that we've seen in the past, and he's got a bit of a knack for the attacking game. And I really like him having this ability to kind of roam about the pitch, look for the ball. He's not necessarily so worried about you know having to track back because he's got two midfielders behind him. And I think it's really opened him up to to kind of grow into these games, and it's really going to build his confidence. And he's he's a very young player, but he's already accomplished some good things in the CPL. And I think we'll continue to see him just make his mark on his team. He can really make his attack his own, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think he's a real standout player for me uh, so far for them uh, through the couple of games. Uh, so Abzi makes it 1-0 through the 32nd minute. Then Pacific fight back. Heard had a terrific game. He scored in the 51st minute and was in heavily involved again in the unfortunate Ensaran goal in the 67th. Um, so what was it from Pacific's point of view, Brady, that you liked for them to get back in the game? It looked like they didn't necessarily get their heads down even when they went a goal down and they still wanted to keep playing and keep the ball down on the floor. Yeah, 100%. You say heavily involved. Hurd actually was claiming the second goal in the uh, in the press conference afterwards pretty was. adamantly. Yeah, so we congratulated him on his brace and, and moved on. But uh, no, I think I think honestly as the... For, for a bit of context, I had to show him the Opta report after. He oh. walked over and he's like, can I see your laptop? And I showed him and he's like, oh. <laughs> he's no closer to claiming the goal than Marty is from his practice goal. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, like I said, he was adamant and I, I wasn't willing to argue with him. I, like you said, it's a, it's a cliche, but you put balls in the box, but things happen and, and, you know, it wasn't his goal, but he'll be happy nonetheless with the point. But no, I think as the game went on, we've seen the version of Pacific, we've seen it against Halifax a little bit more and, you know, the game opened up a little bit. Like I said, it was a tough cagey to start and I think that always was going to probably favor York. And so, yeah, I think it's just, we've seen that cohesion. Bustos looked a little bit more lively as the game went on. He took a lot of hard tackles early on and he, he, he looked pretty, pretty peed off after that. And I think that was probably, probably a little bit of a mistake in the end. And, you know, he starts to get involved and, and, you know, they find their, their two goals. Obviously, you know, York finds one, a very scrappy set piece goal. What else is new? But well, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah, I think, you know, like I said, they, they only managed the one shot on target. So I'm sure, you know, like this is not the best version of Pacific, but I think they'll take the point in the end. Yeah, I think both teams will be happy with the point. You mentioned mm-hmm. it, Jordan Wilson with a substitute goal from the set piece as well. Uh, I suppose this is a bit of a delicate story, but Pacific are very comfortable at passing and moving and keeping it ball down, outstanding in their movements, quick, quick thinking, Bassett again with a lot of forward passes. I guess, Benedict, let me just turn to you. Is this going to be a little thing we need to keep an eye on where teams are going to get quite ne- quite close to the line between what is fair and what isn't in terms of bringing that kind of tempo and aggression towards Pacific and trying to make it a disjointed game a little bit? Yeah, I think if, if you can't break them up by picking up passes, you got to break them up another way, and that's just by fouling them. I think that's, that's what York did a lot of. Uh, like Brady mentioned, Bustos guard was on the end of a lot of those tackles, and mm-hmm. I think um, if, if, you, if you can't, Stop him one way, you got to stop him another way. And New York did definitely try to do that. Interesting stuff. And again, so I guess back to you, Brady, for the final point. Wilson there with the key header. They, they look like they really love the goal. It was a big celebration. And that just turned out to be a big goal for them because, as we said, off the top, Forge don't have any points. We'll get to Halifax in a second. But um, this needed to be a bit of a point, didn't it? Not for York to, be, to just have something to build off. Yeah, 100%. You know, we, we talked about the way that they looked in their first game and, and how they 
they, you know, they possibly deserve more against Cavalry by the way that they pushed in the, in the closing half hour. And it's hard to be, you know, satisfied with two good performances and zero points. So I think Jim will be happy that they did get this first point to go with a good showing. And like I said, these set piece goals are just automatic for this team. I think Forge could, could use one of these scrappy goals as well. It's just, it doesn't have to be pretty. They all count. <laughs> they all count. Yeah. Well, Ma's yeah. didn't. But everybody else, <laughs> everybody else is it counted, Christian, it counted in my heart. That's, Let me have this one. Eyes, man. And you know what? It gave us an amazing storyline for the show. So it's it definitely counted. <laughs> uh, and a final point, uh, just to back up on Marty's point, I thought Lowell Wright, again, this boy mm-hmm. is uh, – oh, this, this is a young man. I call him a man. It's a young man to keep a real close eye on because he's leading the line. He's doing a lot of good things, Marty, and just – is, is very impressive to watch. And again, this young team are young. They're going to have ups and downs. You need players to allow them to fail, to succeed, to come through the failures and move forward. But uh, Jimmy Brennan and, and uh, Gus McNabb have got a little bit of a gem here, I think. Yeah, no, that, that's the kicker, right? Let them let them fail. And, you know, they, I mean, Lowell Wright, Max Ferrari, I think they were okay at the Island Games. You know, it was obviously a small sample size. But, yeah, just keep playing them because, you know, he, he's coming into his frame, I think is what Jimmy Brennan said, which is, which is very apt considering his age. Yeah, no, I think they definitely have a real gem on their hands for sure. All right, let's move it back a day and we go to the nightcap on the first match day of, game, of match day two. Cavalry four, Atletico Ottawa one. Charlie O'Connor Clark, you are a correspondent for this. And uh, this was, if there's ever going to be one early, a statement win uh, and an outstanding, impressive performance, particularly from the entire team from Cavalry. It really was. This was, this was the Cavalry is back show. This was the Cavalry that we kind of grew to know in 2019 with that just very, very identifiable high pressing style, that high tempo football. They, I know that the first half was a little bit closer, but by the end of it, this, this was, there's no other word than they were dominant in this game. I mean, cavalry had like two thirds of the ball. I think they made the second most passes ever in a CPL game. It's 636. I think they, were just so comfortable the whole night, even when Ottawa scored, which is actually one of my favorite goals I've seen yet in the CPL, by the way. (laughs) But even when Ottawa scores, Cavalry just no problems with playing out of the back and, and just trying to work the ball forward. It was very methodical the way they would go, you know, goalkeeper to center back to David Norman Jr. Sitting right in front of them and then out to the wings, just every single time a machine they had the fullback sitting so high up the pitch and so wide just to kind of stretch out this really well-organized Ottawa side who were kind of trying to sit in that that block that they did pretty well against Edmonton as well. And Cavalry was just trying to mess them up by moving the ball quickly side to side up the pitch, just pressed high. They, they would won, win the ball, I think, in the other, opposite half as much as they won it in their own half. This was really the cavalry that the cavalry that was so successful in 2019 and the way that they want to play. And for them to do that in the second game of the season with a lot of players still not available is kind of scary. Yeah. Now, let me let me follow up with you again, Charlie, because I know you watched it really close. The goals were a lot of fun. We can break them down a little bit if we want. But the other thing I would say is by watching the goals, we're already learning, are we not, about some things we didn't know about you know, 
a week ago, you know, the, the new players that have come in and I'm, you know, I'm thinking of Klomp, you know, I'm thinking of field. You mentioned Norman jr. Coming in and playing in that midfield role. I thought Simmons was brilliant when he came back, when he came on as well. Latori, we have to give a shout. He got his goal and was tremendous in midfield as a starting player. Again, Camargo's only played two forty-five minutes yet. You know, we've got a lot of players to come. This is a team that already we're seeing them gelling very quickly when they've not had a lot of time together. Yeah, they really have. They've all, and it's not like this is an entirely consistent team from the last two years. There's a lot of new faces in this lineup. Uh, I think the entire back line certainly wasn't part of this 2019 team mm-hmm. uh, going into this game. But they've all bought in really quickly to what Tommy Wheeldon Jr. has been preaching with this this kind of cavalry football. And I think every time you ask a player, like, what were you guys trying to do here? Or what was maybe the message to say, we play cavalry football. And I think we're starting to see what that means because they really were kind of ruthless. I think in this mm-hmm. game, especially once they go, they go up that third goal in the second half and they had maybe six more chances down the end of the, the end of the game. I mean, Anthony Novak just refused to stop running at the back line. <laughs> He was just running it right into into the middle and looking for the the pass off, and it it obviously came off once with with Elliot Simmons, but they just didn't stop. They had kind of just this this energy going forward that is kind of surprising against a team that is probably in better match shape than them. Right? Probably, yeah. probably definitely has to be. Right? Yeah, I, I don't even. Yeah, not not even probably. They're definitely in better shape than Cavalry. They're more organized than probably than Cavalry because they've just been together for these two months, but Cavalry didn't care. (laughs) They are quickly becoming one of the most entertaining teams to watch in this league. And I I think they, they have to be the story. One of maybe two stories of the season so far in terms of teams performing really well. And still more to come, Marty. Let me turn to you. No Hernandez yet, no Mason, no Minitel. And they have a true identity. They've got younger as well, which I think, to pick back up Charlie's point, will help them with their energetic pressing style. They've definitely got their average age down this year as well. Um, and there's just something about this team is they're not from day one. And you've been there from day one that set a tone and a culture that new players come in and they just know how to, the, the standards are high and they just have to keep it up. Two players, maybe to highlight from off that point, Ahinga Soleimani he scored two goals. We haven't even talked about that. Obviously, pressing to score to score the first one, and then Jody Chiara coming over from York, and I, I, he was he was you know when when they're sitting there in defense and he can play so you know he's playing so high up right. He's getting in people's faces like early on just because you know obviously David Norman Jr. behind him and like that is just such a scary idea to have Jody running at you when you haven't even crossed the <laughs> the halfway line. Um, yeah, this, I don't, yeah. I mean, every player that comes into this group doesn't miss a beat and it's maybe, maybe it's scary for other CPL teams that are, are constantly trying to, you know, we're still only three years in really one year into this league and still trying to find identities. Like that's kind of what Rob Gale's been been talking about and trying to get this core together. Like this core just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. Yeah, one of my favorite goals was the uh, the, the Simmons goal because he just McKendry received the ball midfield and turned and he just got s- stuffed by him. He just got absolutely uh-huh. taken away by mm-hmm. him and then starts the counter attack and quick transition, typical of them. And then he was able to finish it as well. Um, 
I know after the game, Mista said they really miss Viti Martinez, Charlie, in this game. What were your overall observations of them? Unfortunately for us, not a lot of Eminem and M boys in there. Uh, <laughs> our storyline wasn't able to be there. So uh, overall, what was their, their, their significant problems? Uh, and did it just basically snowball pretty quickly after giving away a horrendous opening goal? I'm not sure that maybe the, the opening goal is kind of where it fell apart for them. I think it was more... More of more of a slow burn into the second half, but there was it was pretty obvious that Ottawa was struggling to move the ball forwards. I think especially they they were missing Martinez the whole game. They didn't have Chris Manella for the first half either, and they couldn't really play through the middle at all. And Mister Mister admitted it. He's I mean they had Tevin Shaw and and Ben McKendry in the midfield, both of whom are very good players, but not maybe the kind of transitional outlets that Martinez and Manella are. So they kind of struggled with just getting it from the back to the front as quickly as they need to against Cavalry, who's going to press that high. And it, it turned out that they had to, they had no choice really, but to funnel the ball out to the wings, which is kind of what Cavalry wanted in a sense, because they were able to just, you know, turn them back or, or run, run down fullbacks or wingers with the ball and get it back. So Ottawa never, the only time they were really able to threaten Cavalry was a, Tommy actually pointed this out was when cavalry pressed too high themselves. I think it was, it was Tom field got too high on the left side, gave the ball away. And then all of a sudden, uh, Miguel Acosta and, and Malcolm Shaw are off to the races, which isn't necessarily the way that Ottawa wants to score most of their goals. It's a, it's a gorgeous goal. And yeah. the run from Acosta just to get to the net. I can't shout that out enough, but that's not necessarily what they want their bread and butter to be, right? They want this to be a very well-organized team, a very comfortable team playing with the ball, just moving it forward methodically and, and breaking a team down. And that's not really something that they can necessarily do without that midfield presence that can just pick out those, those most dangerous passes. Great point. Really great point. Uh, Cavalry, top of the table. Two wins from two. Six goals scored, two conceded. And they are ahead of just... Valor, that's right. Valor just behind Cavalry, also unbeaten. Or two wins from two, two nil victories. And the opening game of match day two in the Canadian Premier League 2021 season, the kickoff in Winnipeg, finished Valor two, Halifax Wanderers nil. I know you guys all watch this closely. I was the correspondent on this game, and uh, as usual, we have to talk about Mr. Rob Gale's press conference because. <laughs> Uh, I'm, writing the, I'm writing the <laughs> observations of this game, and he is just delivering. And uh, you boys were texting me some all-time classic lines uh, from Rob, Rob Gale. Uh, we were talking about the Winnipeg Zoo uh, with the Rhino and the Beast, which is obviously Rafa Heen and Andrew John Baptiste. Uh, we were talking at one point about Teddy Roosevelt. David Brent got a shout-out from The Office. Um, comparing Andy Baccaro's musical taste to or his musical videos, which are a bit probably a slight on Andy Baccaro, by the way. We had a great that was a game. bizarre one. He had a great game and did not deserve to be compared to David Brent's musical <laughs> taste. <laughs> that was really cruel. Uh, but I think I know what Rob managed. Uh, but overall, uh, this Valor team, who weren't that great in the second half, has to be said, Halifax were good and had a lot of positives. Um, this Valor team are doing what nobody, maybe, in the team thought they would be able to do it because everyone else, they, they tell us that they've got a chip on the shoulder. 
Um, in fact, Rob Gelwentz is on to say that some have chips on their shoulders. We have a giant bag of potatoes on the t- on our shoulder. Uh, Marty, it doesn't even make sense. It really doesn't make sense. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. If you're, from, if you're from England where chips are bags of crisps, um, you know, like that's what we call them, and then a chip on your shoulder, bag of potatoes. No, it's a it's a bit of a uh, uh, go ahead. It's I know what he meant. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what he meant. It's just a bit of a stretch. Go ahead. Oh, Is it not going. all a little bit of a bit of a stretch? This this whole <laughs> thing that's being played? he did couch it like that though. I think before he said this, he said, "All right, guys, here's your quote for today." He did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which he we knows really, what he's doing. We really do appreciate that when coaches give us a heads up. You know, if we're, if we're uh, well, closing ben, off late at Ben's night. laughing here. Brady's laughing. Charlie's got an enormous smile on his face. It's this is brilliant stuff, boys. Is <laughs> it not? Like, it's absolutely marvelous. Um, they want more credit. So let's give them credit because they outrun teams for fun, they go direct teams for fun. Oheen is becoming one of the best players in the league and just runs and runs and runs. And I think Andrew John Baptiste called him the Winnipeg Conte after the game, which I can yeah. see a little bit of that. He's also got a little bit of Latif blessing, his former his, his fellow Ghanaian in there as well for me, because the way he runs around, the, yeah. just stopping teams coming through the middle. Mm-hmm. It's so energetic. And Rob Gale said after the game, actually, tactically, sometimes it's hard to nail him down to a position because he wants to play six, eight, and ten, and he's basically <laughs> running everywhere. I think he'd still be running if he was allowed to because he's got that remarkable engine um but yeah brady what were your thoughts on this game in terms of this because they again get the goal from a set piece jean baptiste uh willie mckeel gets his first professional goal which was wonderful to see and latori his brother also scored so that was really special um but this team are becoming a bit of a nuisance for teams to play and i think that's the best way to describe them in a, in a really kind way they're pests on the pitch and that's becoming a really good t- a trademark of this club yeah, 100%. I think, to be honest, to a degree, they, they might have sold this one a little bit. I think Halifax did more than enough to at least get a point here. We'll probably get into that Marshall goal. We don't have VAR, so it is what it is. We move on. <laughs> goal. Yes, No, no goal. Didn't right. count, right, Marty? You're, you're, you're counting right. no goals that don't count? That didn't count the Marshall goal. Yeah, that Yeah, that would just like the best goal I ever scored. That also didn't count. Right, that's right. Sorry, Brady. Rob, carry on. Rob, Rob Gale did respond to somebody on Twitter and say no goals. So I don't want to go against Rob. We've got a good thing going on here. I don't want to ruin that. And so you are his boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and, and again, you know, like I said, it's fine margins. At one end, we have a you know a close call for a goal. And at the other end, Baptiste gets his header minutes after Shala is forced to go off the field. He's probably the guy who's marking him otherwise, right? Ruby comes in. Plays plays really well, but he's five foot ten. Baptiste is what six two, six three. It's a tough, tough matchup. And I, I think you know, like the, it was like I said, it was fine margins. I think Halifax actually created a lot more, and 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 Valor was able to steal one here. But again, I don't think Rob Gale is going to agree with me on that. But he's six points from six, so he doesn't care what I have to say. Six from six. He did say, to be fair, that he knew he was giving them a little bit of credit after the game. He knew that mm-hmm. they struggled a little bit to keep the ball and and and, and you know. Uh, you know, he also reminded us before that they had one day less rest. So, you know, that certainly makes a bit of a difference right now. It will even itself out, hopefully, as the time goes on. Um, but they don't want to be given home advantage. You can't say that right now until the fans come in, I suppose. Uh, but, mm-hmm. Charlie, overall, the way this team is playing, um, the plucky underdog title that they keep want to keep selling, it's going to be tough to keep selling that if they keep playing this way. Yeah, yeah it certainly is. You can't be an underdog if you, you know, just win your first two games 2-0 and then carry on like that. Uh, Brady, I'm not actually sure that Rob would disagree 
with you too much because I think what he was saying after the game is one of the differences he's seeing so far this year is last year, Valor plays Halifax at the Island Games. Valor's the better team, but they end up losing that game from, from some pieces of quality from, from Halifax. This time, he says the bounces went their way. And that's maybe, obviously, you make your own luck in a ton of ways, but things just go a little bit better in, in some stages for Valor here. But you can't really take anything away from the performance of this team. I mean, just across the board, they're all, again, bought in. Stefan Sabara, not a center back, yep. now has 180 minutes of clean sheet football in that position. Uh, <laughs> again, Rob Gale said he, he wasn't super happy with the way that Sabara started that game. But as it went on, he settled in, became comfortable enough to to play that that kind of secondary defensive role next to Jean-Baptiste. I, I don't really know if there's much more we can say about Valor other than they're just so hard to play against. If you are caught sleeping against them or if you don't come into a game ready, they're going to run you over. You're going to be on your back heels before you know it. And it, it's just really a tremendous thing to watch. And yeah. maybe just to touch on Rafa Heen again, like you look yeah. at that midfield that they started with, right? They had like Master Casher, Austin Ritchie, Kevin Alleman, Sean Ray, Moses Dyer, and him. And like objectively, those other five players are like attacking players. They could all play as forwards, right? And then mm -hmm. to have Oheen at his ability, and you know, like Ottawa played two holding midfielders against Cavalry, right? Where Valor can just use just Oheen because he can track so quickly and he wins the ball so effortlessly, like you said. Christian, and then you're just away to the races like that. The what kind of balance he creates in that team, I think, is unique in the CPL. Yeah, it's a good point, a really good point. And uh, he was uh, quoted uh, again, Rob Gale after the game, <laughs> saying MLS clubs already looking at him, don't come after him. And uh, same as as same as as Andrew John Baptiste. And by the way, with more to come, uh, shout out to John C.Y. who was terrific again mm -hmm. with some make some great saves in the net. Um, you know, more to come. You know, Bukamutu is not even there yet. He's one of their best players. Gallardo's just got out of quarantine, maybe making the bench this weekend. We'll see. Uh, injury, obviously, to Brett Levi's that doesn't look good. Um, you know, and as we said, you know, we saw Reyes have, have a chance to go, to do what he needed to do. Quick word on Halifax before we wrap it up on extra time. We're getting towards the last five minutes. Benedict, let me turn to you. They had a positive second half. I know that they had no worries after the game in terms of the performance. They were quite happy with it, talking to, to them. Um, obviously, the boat, they need goals. You know, They need to get that. But I thought they created enough. They probably got one that probably should have been given one as well. Uh, Marshall was a real live wire in the game. Uh, overall, your thoughts on them and something to build on for them? Yeah, I thought Marshall was really good. Like you said, um, I think overall they looked much more positive than last game. In, in the last game against Pacific, they were doing a lot of backwards passes, but in this game, they were definitely driving forward a lot more. And I think with Halifax, like with Forge, they just need to sort of be a bit more clinical, get get some more shots on goal, and just keep challenging the keeper. And eventually, hopefully, one or one or two of them will go in for them. But uh, yeah, they just need to keep 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 plugging away at it, I guess, for now. Here's the only concern, that, well, if there's a, a, there's a couple of concerns, but the major concern they've got for them is the next up is Cavalry. And the, the, the games that they're playing in this tournament, we talked about it in the preseason, that it actually helps that they don't have to do all the traveling. But think about the teams that they're playing. They're all playing well. Cavalry mm -hmm. are next. Then they've got Edmonton. 
<laughs> you know, then they've got Pacific. Oh, and by the way, Cavalry, Edmonton, and Valor again. So the other three teams that they're playing consistently in the next couple of weeks are all playing well. So they're going to have to stamp their own authority over their games. And I'm sure Stephen Hart will find a way how to do that. Uh, before we wrap up this game and we head to the quick fire rapid extra time segment, congratulations to, that's right, Valor have won another award, Andrew John Baptiste, who is the player of the week. Um, so he was the one who said that he, uh, on the post game, the players have read all of your lists and <laughs> they want to go out there and tell you to shut up. So uh, that's his quote, not mine. Now he will be reading this list and Andrew John Baptiste, congratulations, the worthy player of the week, an outstanding performance in both games and a key goal as well. And uh, Rob Gale said, thank you, Haiti. Quote, how is he not in the Gold Cup team? End quote. <laughs> Hey, well, it's and, it, and it's funny with Halifax, right? Because they have James Griffard away to Haiti camp, and uh, Peter Shaw went down injured. I, I, I don't, we don't know his status yet. Maybe we'll learn that soon. But like, they're down a center back because of Haiti. Yeah. Valor up a center back, a really good one because of Haiti. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's the connection right there. I love that. All right, extra time, just a few minutes left. Uh, let's go into rapid fire. Let's play some Rub Gale Bingo. Who will be the next famous person Rob Gale will bring up in the press conference? And I will give you a point and maybe a little prize if you get it. But the next person Rob Gale will give a, a shout out to famously, Brady, he's your boy. Um, I wouldn't put it past you to just tell him so you win this. But who would you pick? I think whoever scores first for England tomorrow will be the... I'm going Harry Kane. Actually, Harry Kane, Austin Ricci comparison incoming. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty good one. Benedict Rhodes, talking of England, you've got your England flag up, three Lions, uh, it's coming home. Rob Gale, bingo, who are you picking? Uh, well, at least from my experience with Rob Gale, I haven't heard a lot of uh, uh, music, music lyrics, so I'm wondering if maybe there's a shout out there for like the Guess Who or someone from Winnipeg, maybe, in one of his next press conferences. Nice. That's that a good shout. Enough. Marty? Uh, he's going to say Leo Messi because after they beat Ottawa, you know, they'll be 3 and 0. Maybe he's going to try to make a move. Oh. <laughs> if you can't get if you can't get Diego Forlan, he is a free agent. Messi. Uh, Charlie, uh, I think when you're winning, you can get a little philosophical with things. So I think he's going to pull out one of these bizarre Eric Cantona quotes. Okay, nice. <laughs> Eagles, they get the Seagulls going. There you go. Exactly. Why not? All right, uh, let's go to the next one. Which player who hasn't played a minute yet are you the most excited to see in the CPL? Marty, let's go with you first. It might be Raf Cajardo for Valor. Might see him this weekend. I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, it's he, he can make this team a lot better, right? I'm just interested, interested to see what he can bring. 100%. Charlie? Joe Mason, no question, for Cavalry. Yeah. Joe Mason. Cavalry train that Charlie is all <laughs> on, driving it right away. Choo-choo. <laughs> ben? I'm looking for Omar Brown from Forge. I think he's going to be a big difference maker for them when he's eventually able to join them. Good one. Brady? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Joe Mason as well. There you go. Okay, who will score the first goal of the season for Forge? They will eventually score. Brady, who's going to get their first goal? I'm going to go with Dion Yakovic, header from a corner. Oh, wow. <laughs> Set piece magic. If he, if he pulls that one out, we'll be, we'll be reminding you of that. Charlie, who's going to get their first? Chris Nanko. Chris Nanko played well Chris so Nanko. far. I think he's been one of their best attackers so I far. I agree with so. you. Ben? Well, Brady said that uh, Suo was going to score for Edmonton, so Yakovic might be the worst show, but I'm going to go for uh, Kyle Becker. I think he's going to fire winner from long range if they can't get into the box some other way. There you go. Marty, your shout out? Uh, it's going to have to be Mobile Bully because I picked him for Golden Boot. Yeah, so, Not a great start. 
Hey, it's early. Two games. Early. Two games in. Okay. Uh, all right. The only other team without a goal is so far is Halifax. HFX Wanderers again this weekend playing Cavalry. If they get a goal, who will score the first goal of the season for Stephen Hart's team? Marty, let's go to you. I think Stefan Karyavanovic. Pretty good against Valor, and they're making good chances for him. I think it'll be. I think I'll be there. Like that pick, he's been pretty lively, and he was yeah. very good. He's not just a goal scorer either. He looks like a, go- a guy who can really be involved in a lot of the attack. He doesn't sit out of the game a lot. Brady, your pick. That was my pick. I'm going to go Carriage of Image as well. Loves to get one on one, and I think it's it's a matter of time. Charlie, I'll go with the easy one. I'll say Akeem Garcia. I think nice. when when he's playing well, they're playing well. So I, I think if they're going to turn it around, it'll be on his foot. Ben, I'm going for Joe Morelli. I think he's been really good when he's been on the pitch and. I think he's been a difference maker for them already so far. Yeah, should have scored midweek, and he knew that as well. Put his head in his hands at that point as he blazed over the bar. All right, the fixtures to come this week. Cavalry take on Halifax. Valor against Atletico Ottawa. Forge against Pacific. Edmonton against York. The games have been moved later, so check the schedules for that as well as we get the players' safety in mind out of the sun and the heat. Final question, boys. Uh, Game you are looking forward to the most this weekend. Uh, Go to you, Ben. I'm going to go for Cavalry HFX. I think uh, Cavalry look really good. HFX so far do not necessarily look that good. Um, it's interesting to see if they can bounce back against Cavalry and also I'm assigned to the game, so looking forward to watching that one closely too. <laughs> good point. Good point. Marty? <laughs> it's going to have to be Pacific Forge for the reasons we outlined uh, before. I mean, if this would be one heck of a turnaround for Forge if they can pull it off, and Pacific will be looking uh, – they'll be hungry, right? Looking oh. for a result. Yeah, no doubt. The uh, come on game of the week. Uh, Brady? I'll join Benny. I'm going to go Calvary HFX. Wanderers need a point desperately, and Calvary just been a delight to watch. So, Charlie, you're like, last word for you, my friend. I'll go with Valor and Ottawa. Why not? Ottawa. Why they both, they've both done some <laughs> done some fun things this this year, and I would like to see you know how how much this is what these teams actually are, and how much you know falls off after a few games it's going to be a fascinating contest that's a good point and just to share the love i'll go with fc edmonton york united to wrap it up and we will be back (laughs) on monday to wrap up another exciting weekend in the canadian premier league what a start to the season we've had boys great job keep up the great work a reminder go to campiel.ca to read all of these boys terrific work we'll continue to cover all the major stories congratulations to andrew john baptiste (laughs) our player of the week and valor getting awards from us we'll see you on monday